My friend Mary Lou is a tall, broad-shouldered African-American woman who pastors a neighboring disciples congregation. And my friend Mary Lou loves purses. Not just any purse. Mary Lou loves high-end designer leather purses, those that cost in the range of $200 to $400. And she tells me her favorite brand is the Brahmin bag. I had never heard of it, but I Googled it, and they are quite lovely. She says that she watches for them to go on sale, and then she uses her store coupon, and then she purchases one of these beautiful handbags. Recently, at a dinner party at my home, she shared with a group of us that when she goes shopping at any local store, that she often notices that the salesperson is following her around, watching her closely, or sometimes it's someone who's a plain clothes policeman watching her carefully to make sure that she's not shoplifting because of her skin tone. They're profiling her, but she says, if I'm carrying one of those beautiful Brahmin handbags, they just walk away and leave me alone. They assume anybody who could carry a bag like that would be safe. Is that why you carry the bag? One of our dinner guests asked Mary Lou. Mary Lou said, no, no, no. I just love those purses, but I have noticed the difference when I have one or when I don't. Today's scripture verse admonishes all of us to make purses that do not wear out. The scripture suggests that there are two kinds of purses that we carry through this life. The kind that can be snatched by a thief or eaten by a moth. I suppose their purses were not Brahmin leather bags in Jesus's day, but simple woolen bags that would be eaten by moths. But whatever, the fragile purse of Jesus's day or our day has a limited shelf life, it will one day, in one way or the other, fall apart. But then there is that second kind of purse, the kind that never, ever, ever wears out, the kind that safely carries the unfailing treasure in heaven. All of us have both kinds of purses or wallets in our lives where we carry what matters to us. Last fall, I realized that with my new role here at church, I was no longer participating in many of the activities that I love, like mission trips or even our ongoing mission partnerships throughout the week in the Northeast. Too many competing meetings at the same time. And so I went to Corey, who works with our mission department, and asked him, what could I do? I, I really miss it. And he said, I think you should go over to Hartman and tutor it's close, you can get there and back in the middle of the day. And so I was assigned to work with the kindergartners to teach reading. My first little girl came carrying her shoebox out of the classroom, a shoebox that all of the kind kindergartners had decorated to hold their sight words. She carried the box carefully and placed it in front of me, and I saw on the top of her box was a large angel. She pointed to the angel. This is my father, she said. He's an angel now. And then I remembered that her teacher had told me that her father had just died, and that's why she was struggling so 
with reading and all the other subjects in school. The chance to sit with this child filled up my purse. Why is it, I wondered, that I had not found more time in my life to fill up this purse called service? After all, I do have time in my schedule for my monthly manicure and for shopping for designer pillows for my home and searching for just the right gourmet cheese for a dinner party. But where does the real treasure come from? Last winter, I officiated at a funeral for a man named Tom. Tom was a successful businessman, but at the end of every day at the office, he stopped off right down the street here at McGonagall's at this little meat market and grocery store on Ward Parkway, and the staff at McGonagall's had a nickname for Tom. They called him Everyday Tom because every day at about the same time, he came in and walked up to the meat counter and said, hey, what's fresh today? What's really good today? And they would tell him, and then they would wrap it up for him, and he would take it home and make a wonderful dinner for his family or for the neighbors or friends. Now, it's a small thing, I know, but Tom was making a purse called friendship and community and relationship. And do you know, at Tom's funeral, no one talked about the number of business deals he closed. They talked about his relationships, his love of people, his joy of serving food to other people. And you know, McGonagall's catered the funeral reception. Rumor had it complimentary. And all the members of the McGonagall staff, from the owner to those who sweep the floors, they were all there to celebrate Tom because you know what? They loved Tom and love doesn't wear out. And Tom packed that purse full. The scripture says, sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. And I suspect that each of us here today could pull out a piece of paper and make a list of things that belong in the purse that doesn't wear out. Our faith, our relationships, our friends, our family, our spiritual growth, our joy and delight in serving others, our quest to learn more. Some of you might put on your list the joy of listening to music, and others might write down the adventure of reading. Why is it that we struggle to make deposits into this purse? Why do we spend so much time and energy building up that other purse, that one that we fill with our investments and our accomplishments and our indulgences from travel to home decorating to clothing to expensive hobbies? Why do we do that when we know it is not what brings us joy and delight? In his most recent book, theologian Miroslav Volf says that modern culture stridently insists that each of us must secure the resources that we need in order to live out our dreams. Whatever you dream for yourself in this life, the dream will be more accessible, says our culture. If you are rich, emotionally intelligent, educated, well-connected, and good-looking. So we go about trying to gather up those items 
to place in our purse. And in a way, we're like a painter who is gathering up supplies to paint a gorgeous picture. And we need the right paint and the right canvas and just the correct lighting and the best brushes. But what would you say if the painter never gets around to painting anything, but just gathers up all the supplies? Volf suggests that this too often happens to us in real life. We make it our main goal in life to gather up all these resources. We make the means the ends. We work so hard at getting ready for the dream that we never quite get to the dream. And I think this is what Jesus is saying in today's text about the purse. One purse is full of all the stuff, but such stuff can rot and it can be stolen away. It can be destroyed. But the other purse, it's empty. The one that holds the dream of faith and hope and love and relationship and service and joy. Too often we see the scripture as demanding something from us. And today's scripture is one that really seems to do that. Because we hear that little verse, that little command to sell our possessions and give alms as really a threat, a, a charge to us to give up who it is that we really are. What if we paid attention to the text more closely? Because if we look at the whole of that text, we can see it from a different angle. For example, the opening verse from today's scripture says, do not be afraid, little flock or little church, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now the word here, pleasure, is actually a verb, and it's more like the word goodwill. It is God's goodwill to give us a gift. God desires to give us the whole realm of goodness called the kingdom of God. And so God is not trying to take life away from us, but to give us the life that cannot be stolen or eaten by moths. And the second clue comes a little later in the text. It's in that part where there's they are preparing for the master to come in the middle of the night, and they're told to stay alert, to be awake, in case the master comes home and needs something in the middle of the night. Only here becomes a surprising twist in the story, because here, when God shows up to check on us, God puts on an apron and serves them a supper that God prepares for them. God delights in giving them the feast of life that matters most of all, who would have expected that? God comes to feed them this gracious and wonderful gift. And so one way that we can fill up our own purses is to trust in God. We can reorient our lives. We need not fear because God who loves us comes to all of us with the gifts that truly matter. Do not be afraid, little ones, for it is your father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. During a bleak moment of history, Christians looked to this verse to guide them. The year was 1935. In Germany, the Christian churches were commanded to follow in the path of Hitler. 
many of them consented, and they were called the Reich Church. That was most of the church. But there were some churches, some Christians, some theologians who went in a different way, and they formed a movement called the Confessing Church, and they wrote a confession or a statement about how they would live not by Hitler's kingdom, but by God's kingdom. And in the opening paragraph of their joint confession, those margin Christians cited this verse, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Only the father has the power to give the kingdom. Though these German Christians lived in a time of terrible fear, even in the midst of that fear, they were set free by God's good pleasure to invest their lives in what mattered most by loving in the ways of Christ, though the culture went in a different direction. You and I can also be set free to invest ourselves in crafting a life that enables us to invest in that which brings the kingdom ultimate joy. We need not be so anxious about all the stuff of life. A woman named Mercy told her story recently on the Moth Story Hour. Mercy was born in Kenya, weighing only one pound. The doctor told Kenya's mother, told Mercy's mother, that she might live 72 hours. The mother was severely anemic during childbirth. The newborn one-pound baby was also anemic. And the doctor decided that the baby didn't even merit being placed in the incubator because so many other children needed the incubator and there was no way this little one would make it. The mother paid the doctor extra money in order to have Mercy placed in the incubator and Mercy lived. And as Mercy grew up as a little girl, her mother would frequently call her into a room in front of a crowd and tell the story of Mercy's birth at one pound and talk about Mercy's resilience and what a miracle this child was and what great things she would surely do. And Mercy began to feel that she needed to prove her worth for being alive. She wanted to make her mom proud. And so she said, what, what would a child do to make mom proud as a Kenyan? she would become a doctor. And so Mercy enrolled in medical school, but quickly she discovered that medicine was not really her thing. And so she transferred over into the School of Nutrition and her mom was devastated, so disappointed. Her mom had already begun calling her doctor, but Mercy persisted. She wanted to please her mom. She wanted to earn her mom's favor and so she became involved in a nutrition research project to help women throughout Africa not struggle with anemia by eating fortified beans. The research project was not going well. It was severely behind. They didn't know if it was going to net in any results, and Mercy became so worried. But eventually, it did work. 
was discovered that this nutritional approach could el eliminate the problem that had plagued her own mother of anemia. Mercy was absolutely elated at her own success, and so she went home and she told her mom that she had reached this amazing goal. And her mom said to her, Oh, baby, baby, watching you fight for your life, I always knew that you could do absolutely anything. Doctor, she said, I'm proud of you. All those years, Mercy had sought to earn her mom's approval. Only now did she realize that she had the gift of her mother's good pleasure all along. The love was there all along, a gift that never, ever, ever, ever wears out. God gives to us this very amazing gift. What kind of life, what kind of purse could we build to carry this incredibly beautiful treasure.